said, hey, people, we are back. It is the Sort of Cool Show. We're hanging sort out. Of cool intro. It's a great intro. We're hanging out. We are having fun. It's such a good time at this show. I don't, I don't know. I don't know why. Uh, I don't know why we have so much fun, we, but we do. We, I think it just goes back again to the fact that we just love music so much <laughs> and we love talking. It's like we do. When, when we, you know, every now and then <clears throat> we'll go record digging. We haven't been in a while, so we need yeah. to make that a, a, a trip plan sometime soon. But um, and this is like what we would do in the car, man. It, it really it's is exactly really what is. we do in the car. It really Except is. we would also talk about our past in the band that we played in. We would talk <laughs> about that in conjunction with all this yeah. other stuff that we yeah. talk about on this show. So, yeah, that's why we just have a good time doing it. It's something fun to talk about. We, we didn't get into this to make money. Our our goal is not to like go make a bunch of money doing a podcast. That was never the, the never. idea. That was never the motivation. And we've actually had opportunities to put sponsorships in our podcasts and we've chosen mm-hmm. not to, you nope. know? Um, nope. That's not, but that's not, you know, no, no, I mean, what we're really trying to, you're talking a trillion dollars now. We'll, we'll <laughs> now listen, we'll, we'll sit down. Listen, if, if it's a, if it's a really, really big check with a lot of zeros, maybe we'll take it. But no, I mean, look at, at the end of the day, man, it's, it, this isn't, this isn't a money making thing for, this is not what we're trying. We don't, we're not trying to make money at this. Mm-hmm. What we're trying to do is just have a good time, man, and have no pressure, no stress, and have a conversation that's interesting where we're talking about things that we know, which is music. Right. We, you and I have been that's in the right. music business for, you know, multiple decades. That's and right. our our hope is is that the those people listening will tell their friends about it. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, they'll, yeah, they'll talk about it on their on their Instagram or on their Facebook, and they'll link to us, and they'll. You know, you find a favorite episode of of what we've done, and you tell your friends about it. Go listen; these guys are really cool, really fun to hang out with. Yeah, and you know what, guys? You you know we we take suggestions too, man. I mean, we'd love to hear what. Hey, what we well, all to talk about this, man? That we you know because we, we're always the thing about it is we text each other all the time, going, "Hey, why don't you, you'll text me in the middle of the day and go, let's do a show about." Da, 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 da. You know, and I'm like, okay, man, let's do it. I mean, and we do it. It's just, it's just, it's, it's just whatever, great. man. It's, it's like we come up with things to talk about. And yeah, but thank you guys for all the kind of the people that are listening and all the support that we've gotten. It's yeah. awesome. It's really awesome, fun. man. And absolutely. You mentioned, you mentioned those, those texts that we text back yeah. every day. <laughs> Today's episode actually <laughs> is a result of one of those texts, right? Yes. We were just like, wait, what if we, what if we took a band and we just did a deep dive? on that band and we talked right. about you know their records and wait a minute what if we actually ranked their records from mm. worst to best you know yep. yes. and then you were like dude i'm doing that with kiss we're like okay yes, great let's do it so the the cool thing about it is you know kiss has such a massive catalog oh god you're the you're the biggest kiss fan i know and wow, i know that's... you you will you will refute that you'll say i'm not the biggest kiss fan but you're the biggest kiss fan i know man and i've known that for a right. long time well, I, I am a humongous Kiss fan, and, and my my Kiss fandom goes back a long way. Um, there are people that are, you know, I look like an absolute peon compared to people out there <laughs> who are Kiss fans that I've, I'm aware of. And, yeah. y- you know, it, it's just mind-blowing how some of these other folks are so much bigger Kiss fans than me. I'm a Kiss fan because... It was the first group I was ever introduced to that just made me just stare at an album cover for a long time. You know, the first record my dad ever brought home to me, my, the first record, regardless of, uh, of what the style was, was a John Denver record. And, and I'm not ashamed to sh- say I am a humongous John Denver fan. But I didn't stare at Rocky Mountain High album <laughs> over and over. I didn't stare at that. That was a, that's an awesome looking tree behind him, you know. I didn't stare. But when I got Kiss Alive, I freaked out like most Kiss fans have done. You know, that wasn't the first Kiss record I saw. Rock and Roll Over was the first one I ever saw. Yeah, and that's a cool album cover. Great, you know, great cover. and. That was the first time I was ever introduced to them um, by, you know, a dude named Stan back home where I grew up. Stan the man, he was the first guy that introduced me to Kiss. Then he introduced me to Alive. And when I saw the Alive cover, everything changed for me, man. Everything changed. I, I still have that 
I still get that feeling when I look at it today. I yeah. still get a weird, weird. I can't describe what that feeling is. But when I stare at that cover, all these memories and emotions come through, man. And that's mm. what music does. I think I love that about music. It brings back yeah. memories. Some of them are not always great memories for music, but sure. but in this instance, they're great memories. And then you flip it over and you see those dudes holding that banner, Man. you know, um, and that's so cool. And that's at Cobo Hall in um, Detroit. Did you Man. see that? Did you see that photo of those same those mm-hmm. same dudes holding it like a, a current like today version of yes, that? Yes, man, that is, that is so is cool, so cool. You know, I like I, on the back of the cover, they're standing there holding the banner, and I like the dude sitting in the chair right beside him, mm-hmm. who's just kind of looking up at him, yeah. like, like, dude, what are you guys doing? You know, yeah. he had, and that dude had no clue that he would be on the back <laughs> cover of one of the <laughs> biggest selling records ever. You know, library. that's right. He had new, and nobody did. But yeah, that was my introduction to Kiss, man. And I just went with it, and I just became a fanatic over him, you know, through you're, magazines and everything. So you were in the Kiss Army too, man, right? Dude, I joined. You know, I thought about what am I going to do with my life, and I <laughs> joined the army. I joined the <laughs> army, man. That's back in the day, man. Where and and what's interesting is back in the day. When the albums came, when those albums came out, the original records, you know, yeah, you got inside the record, uh, inside the jacket, and all that kind of stuff. The cover, you got the little order blank, you know, and it had all the T-shirts and stuff you could buy, pictures and whatever. And you, there was always a, a a cutoff thing to join the Kiss Army for five dollars, and then you got all this stuff back. And the one, the coolest thing you got was this triangle sponge. It was yellow, and it had the red Kiss Army yeah. um, logo on it. And the first time I ever saw them, at the end of the show, the end of the night, um, and you know how when we see them now, all that glitter comes down and all that kind of stuff. That did, but also a million sponges came down with the Kiss oh Army. Gosh. So you're running around grabbing them and stuff. Um, so yeah, I was in the kiss army and the, what I was going to say was now when I go back and I, as a vinyl guy, I went back and bought a lot of these old kiss albums that I had, you know, gotten rid of back in the day. And some of them still had those order blanks in them. Oh, and man. I love that, man. That is one of the coolest things, but yeah, my lifelong member today, I think it costs like what? 750 bucks to join the kiss <laughs> army and you get, you don't even get the sponge. And right. if you want to get a back, if you want to get a meet and greet with the man, you got to pay like $5,000 or something. It's crazy, man, <laughs> man, so much that, changed. Times have changed so, so much since those days, those early days, man, in the seventies of, <sighs> you know, just like experiencing, I, I remember, you know, you used to be able to like the back of, of all these albums would have the fan club, P.O. Mm. Box. Yeah, right? that's right. That's and you right. could write to them. And mm-hmm. like, you know, your 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 thought, at least for me as a kid, was, oh, they're going to get this and they're going to read my letter and they're yeah, going to, that's know, right. They're going to write me back and whatever. And that's just, in most cases, that is just not the way it works. No. But back you know, then, it's, it's oh, cool dude. to think that Paul Stanley exciting. actually sat down and actually signed the picture. You're right. Yeah. You think he did that. Right. Yeah. It's just it's just an exciting thing, you know, and and you mentioned earlier, man, it's just what music does to you. That's right. It does, man. And, you know, talking about what we were just referring to, you know, I would send off like I would really literally as a 12 year old or whatever, I would sit down and go, dear Paul Stanley, I love Kiss. Please send me a picture. Wow. Of the band. And I sent and, you know, and I'm not kidding you. Yeah, three months later, I get a picture in the mail of Kiss. Yeah, with their, their with their, you know, and I know they didn't sign yeah. it now, but back then, oh my gosh, I'm so, like, calling, yeah, man. So this is a little bit off topic, but kind of, kind of similar. You know, you remember obviously we have a really good friend named Dwayne Burks, right? Yes, Dwayne. So you know his son Walter, mm-hmm. right? Do right. you know he, you know he collects or at least collected business cards? Did you know this? No. I didn't. I so, didn't so he would write to famous like business people or you know athletes or presidents even, really? and say, "Hey, I'm so and so. You know, I, I collect business cards. Can you send me a business card?" And so, like, I he showed them to me one time, and 
he has a business card that he got from prison from John Gotti. Dude, is that, that crazy? right there is like the pinnacle. It's baller, man. Like it's so it cool. is so baller. See, Steve and I are not in the mob, but we <laughs> we're pretty darn close. We're <laughs> We know a whole lot about the mafia, right? We, yeah, we are hit mob, mob <laughs> historian fans. We are. We, uh, we. There's some podcasts that we follow about yep. the mafia, and we love all movies related to that. And blah 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 blah. You know, we don't endorse, of course, of course anything not. that the yeah, mob does and stands for. But it is surely cool. It would be surely cool to get a John Gotti business card from that freak man. Is that, that is crazy. crazy. Yeah, so he's got oh, that. He's yeah. gotten some from you know, you know, from the office of you know whatever president right. and That's office of cool, this man. different CEO or that different CEO. It's really he's, he has a big binder full of them. It's really no cool. Way. Wonder what John said. He probably said John Gotti. I can't remember. Killer. <laughs> That's right. I can't remember, but I feel like he actually signed the card as well. I just, oh, man. It's really, really cool, man. I, I thought that was in really prison. interesting. Anyway, so, hey, you never know, man. You, you can yeah. write you can write to your, your favorite band's fan club, or you can write to a mobster in prison. Yeah. You, can, <laughs> you never know, dude. And the funny thing is the mobster replied. Oh, my you know, gosh. John Gotti, you know, again, Gotti was like a, 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 he was a mobster for the people. He, he was oh, a celebrity. You know he was people got ticked people off when him. he got convicted, man. When yeah, he got convicted, loved him. Yeah, and you know, and Kiss being from Queens. Yeah, here's here. All right, we'll tie it in right now. Yeah. So yeah. back in back in seventy, when Wicked Lester was getting going, which is the band that they were in yep. prior to you know starting Kiss, Gene and Paul, and they had turned down an epic record record deal. They had turned it down, man, and because wow. they knew what they wanted. So you know, and when they started getting kissed together, and they started rolling in '73, you know the mobsters were out. I mean, oh, that dude. was in the heyday, man. That was like, that was like the heyday of the mob, right down in Queens and Brooklyn and yeah. all that area. And it yeah. wouldn't be surprised with me if, you know, that they didn't rub shoulders with them. I mean, right there in Little Italy or wherever they were, and all that yeah. kind of stuff, man. God, I, that's I, cool. I bet John Gotti well. was a kiss was a kiss fan. I bet that mug's seen him <laughs> more than I've seen him, man. <laughs> that's right, man. That's right. So, so kiss, so kiss. You know, again, you're the the biggest fan I know, and I've I've seen Kiss only four times. Okay, and two of those times I saw them with you. Saw them on the the makeup reunion tour mm-hmm. way back in the nineties. Right. Late nineties, right? Mid to late nineties. Yeah, and it was then ninety seven, ninety eight, something like that. Yeah. And then you and I saw them again uh, on the end of the road tour. I, I came out to Charlotte and we saw that show together there, which was that was the second time you and I had seen this particular it tour. It was last August. Yeah. What a, we there. what a fun, what a fun show, man. It was. And that was one of the first times I'd ever seen them do crazy nights with makeup. Yeah, that was weird for me. Yeah, well, you see them do crazy nights one time, and yeah. that it's it's like I'd mentioned it before. It was it's like seeing them do strutter without makeup. Yeah, you know when that when they took the makeup off, I, I was I thought it would be really weird. Are they going to do Deuce and are they going to do Strutter and Black Diamond? And then they yeah. did. You know, yeah. I haven't seen them that many times. I've seen them sixteen times. No, not that's that, not very not many. that many. Yeah, yeah, I've seen them sixteen times. The first time I ever went to see them. <laughs> That's a lot of times. That's a lot of times to see a band. It would be 17, but oh, the very yeah. first time I went to see them was 1975. Um, I was a 7th grader, and uh, I just starting the 7th grade. And a bunch of us, a uh, bunch of us piled in a van with no windows. And it was just this cool van with this really cool vibe. And their, this girl's parents took us. This was back in the day where... You could call ahead to the arena and say, hey, I would like for you to hold me 10 tickets, and we will be there to pay for them and pick them up. And the Coliseum would put them in an envelope with your name, and they would hold those tickets an hour before showtime. And then you could walk in there. Your name was on them. And I did. that's the way I went to shows all my life. It's called the Coliseum in Greensboro and say, hey, I'm coming to Farner. I want two tickets. And, and there we go. And so anyway, on the way to uh, Charlotte to see this show, and this was before, you know, uh, Alive came out. This was right around the time Alive came out. And so we had a flat tire. 
and we didn't make it. And they sold our tickets. The show was sold out, and we didn't get to go see them. So, so would that would that have been that the old Coliseum right there it was, on? It was the one on Independence, which is now the uh, Bojangles Coliseum right. or whatever. And yeah, was, and that's one of those old traditional like metal top dome. Oh, I, I saw Van Halen there on the 84, 1984 tour. I saw so many shows at that place. Um, Elvis, Elvis played that building. Elvis played there. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, no, no, no. I was getting ready to say that's where I saw Motley and Guns N' Roses, but it wasn't. Well, it was, I, yeah, I saw Matchbox 20 in that room. Actually. Did you? It doesn't yeah. sound. It's not a great sounding it's room. It's not a great sounding room. It sounds terrible. But that's, uh, yeah, that's where I saw, that's where I was going to see them. You know, and it only holds like, I think, 12,000. Yeah. You know, something like that. It's very small. Um, So I finally uh, got to actually see him for the first time on New Year's Eve of 1977. It was at Greensboro, and it was the Love Gun Alive 2 tour. You know, I'll never forget that curtain falling, and there they were. And I'm thinking, I just, I can still see it. I can still feel it, what I felt that night, because... There they were, man. These were the dudes that are all over my wall that are in Cream Magazine that I read that, that, you know, I listened to the records constantly and had the little cards, baseball gum cards, you know, the baseball. um, Oh, yeah. yeah. Cards with the bubble gum. Um, I had, you know, I had everything. And then there they were. And I was just blown the heck away, man, that 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 was there. So, you know, the, the first the first show that I went to, I remember thinking you know, I'm in the same building. I'm in the same room as Eddie Van Halen. That's right. Right. It was just like, I mean, that's the, that is one of the, for me, you know, and I'm sure you too, is just being a huge fan of music and you really look up to these artists. I mean, I can't imagine how you felt like seeing Kiss for the first time. Right. Right. But it's like, I mean, you're, you're, you're in the same room as your rock and roll heroes. It's yeah. just the craziest thing. Not everybody's going to get what you just said. I, I certainly yeah. do. And because I know people will say, well, heck, John over there in the fourth <laughs> rows and they're saying, but you know, but I'm like, I get yeah. that, man, because I'm sitting there going, oh my God, they're they're in this building right now. Yeah. They yeah. are in, you know, Paul Stanton, because at a, a 13 year old, I was 13 when I saw him the first time. Yeah. And I went with two guys, one almost 16. He drove. And we're all sitting there, and you know, I bought a shirt that night. I think it was seven dollars for my shirt. My ticket was. I, I went. Let's check this out. I went to a kiss show and bought a shirt, and I was all under twenty bucks. <laughs> I mean, really, all under twenty dollars. Um, my ticket was eight fifty. So, you know, but yeah, I'm sitting there thinking, God, they're just right behind that curtain, man. And then they come yeah. out and. You know, and that was back in the day where, you know, you had all that stuff going on about Kiss where, you know, they really couldn't take the makeup on because they had it surgically planted and that's the way they looked all the <laughs> it was time. tattooed on. Yeah, and Gene, Gene's uh, yeah. tongue was really a cow tongue or yeah. or he clipped the, you know, and all this stuff. And, and it was you, real you blood. Have, that he like, you didn't have the the ability to go like Google no, something and go, no, you is Gene, no. Gene Simmons' tongue a cow tongue? Right. Did he right. you know, clip the whatever? It's just like you can't. Back then, man, you heard it. You believed it. That's right. But here was the thing. <laughs> That's what made Kiss so fascinating back then because you yeah. couldn't – you didn't see them without makeup. How dare they take that makeup off? Yeah. And you know, and you didn't see it, and you didn't know their history, and you didn't know anything about them. They were just four guys, and you would continually go, what do they look like? And, you know – is Ace really not from here? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, it's like, yeah, yeah. and as a, for a, for a 13, 12 year old kid, that's like a superhero. Yeah, man. You know? And so, yeah, I was just absolutely mesmerized when they put out kiss meets the phantom of the park. And that came out in um, 78. And I remember it coming on and I could not wait that week. I just, I was so, jacked up man for that that movie to come out and all man and i just yeah and i played in a band um called black diamond which we got our but we we played we played we only knew two songs and that was love gun and strange ways and we just played those well we played great white buffalo from ted nugent too so those were the, i wonder why you didn't learn black diamond 
from Kiss. We may have learned it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, well, we learned that song. I don't know. But yeah, man, I, I'm and I am still a huge. I still to this day, I am just as big a fan as I was when I was 12 years old. And yeah. you know, I was talking about when first time I saw them, my mouth dropped, and it 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 didn't do that that again you know and i saw him a bunch you know and i saw him several times in non-makeup and that was weird you know but the time it dropped my mouth and jaw dropped again was on the reunion tour when they first put the makeup back on and i i when the curtain dropped again i felt like it was 1978 all over again and that was just that feeling man and i just will never never forget it but a little bit about you know the thing about it is man you know, we're going to do some record countdowns, you know, and yeah. that's going to be kind of cool. But they became, they played their first gig on January the 30th in 73 at a place called the Coventry. It was wow. in Queens. It was 26 degrees outside and oh hardly nobody, nobody at the show. That yeah. show or the night or one of the sets that night is documented. You can see it on YouTube on the history history DVDs, which are very, very awesome DVDs. I have, I have the first, the do first you? set. Yeah, yeah, they're all three so good, man. And so that shows on one of those uh, DVDs. They only played 24 uh, shows that year in clubs. But here's the thing that's funny. They only played through through September. They didn't play at all. No, they played through August, and they didn't play again until the end of December. They played 24 shows in an eight-month period. And December 31st, they started their national tour, a world tour. Wow. So they only played 24 shows before they became a a huge band. That is that's just insane. And that you said that was 1973, right? 1973 is when they played that and they played wow. um between September the 1st and December 21st I think it is. They didn't play at all. Wow. Um they started the tour on New Year's Eve of 73 at the Academy of Music in New York and they ended it in Houston. Um, October the 4th of the next year, and that was their first big tour. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That's just nuts, I mean, they played man. 24 shows as a club band, and then they became a national touring act. You know, I I read the book, and I, I think you read this too. It's called Kiss and Sell, and mm-hmm. it's basically about just the marketing machine of Kiss. Right, which is the merchandise and the touring strategies and everything else. And, you know, a lot of bands these days feel like they got to go, you know, if you're going to come to to Tennessee, for example, you're going to play, you know, Nashville, Knoxville and Memphis. Yes. But Kiss, Kiss didn't do that when they first started touring. Mm -mm. They would go play the B and the C markets. Yeah. Right. You know, yes, that's right. And that's how they built their fans. They man. built their fans. It was just like, you know what? Look, we're not going to go to Nashville, for example, because they get shows, you know, seven nights a week. Mm-hmm. We're going to go to Franklin at the Ag Center. Right. You know, <laughs> yeah, 20, the Ag Center. 20 miles, 20 miles down the road. Yes. And we're going to pack out a, a room of people who don't get this kind of stuff, you know, Mm-mm. and they just put on a rock and roll show. Absolutely. For people man. who've never seen anything like that in their lives. Yeah. They, when they came, you know, the first time they ever came to Charlotte, yeah, they were in the Charlotte market, but they didn't come to the Coliseum. They came to a little place called flashers. Mm. It's a it was, and it's not, it's not around anymore right. at all. But they were talking about how Gene put three or four holes in the ceiling because that's how low <laughs> it was. And you know they're seven foot tall, so <laughs> with those boots every time he ra- every yeah every time he said he raised his hand up, he put it through the ceiling. Oh my god! So he had to adjust. But you're right; they went to smaller markets. Yeah, built that fan base. You know, when they started that tour in '73 at the Academy of Music, you know. Uh, they had spent a fortune on the lights, the light yeah. kiss light thing. And that to me, that is the coolest backdrop, you know, right. the, the, the old light bulb kiss, you know, yep. the very original, but that night they couldn't rig it. So they put it on the side of the stage mm. and it's just standing up. It's like on the wow. side of the stage on Gene's side, man. Wow. Um, yeah, there's you some know, cool pictures out of that. The first, the first time I saw Kiss was the Hot in the Shade tour. So the first okay. time I ever saw them was without no makeup. makeup. Yeah, no wow, makeup show. Man, wow. And um, that was when it was it was Gene and Paul, obviously, uh-huh. and uh, Bruce Kulick on right. guitar and Eric, Eric Carr on drums, which mm-hmm. is 
massive. Man, come on. What the perfect, what the perfect drummer. Player. And the thing about Eric, you know, was Eric actually did play with Kiss during the makeup years, mm-hmm. but he, he didn't, did. he, he didn't do like Eric Singer now. He basically wears Peter Chris's makeup and he right. acts like Peter Chris. He actually kind of plays like Peter Chris almost, yes. That's you know, right. because he he's putting, he's playing a part. That's Eric right. didn't play a part. Eric was Eric, you know, Eric right. Carr, sorry. Eric Carr, and, that's right. And he had his own makeup, his own kind of brand, his own vibe. And then he transitioned from the makeup to the no makeup. And yeah. man, like of all the band members that Kiss has had, you know, Gene and Paul were the constant. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, they had guitar players come, you know, a couple of them yeah. come and go. Yeah. And then right. drummers, you know, who knows if Eric Carr would still be with them today had he lived. Unfortunately, yeah. he, he got sick, had cancer, right. died brain in his cancer. early 40s. Yep. Had brain cancer, um, that's right. Maybe he would still be in, you know, maybe yeah. Eric Singer would have never had the opportunity. That's right. You know? Yeah, but um, I thought he was awesome in the band. Oh I thought gosh. he was great, so great, great. incredible. And so, I was, uh, and I didn't want, I didn't really want any other but the original four, you know? Yeah, of course. I just, who, you know, because I'm one of those, but I don't mind Honestly, man, but I loved Eric's. I loved Eric Carr. I loved the way he yeah. played. He pounded the crap yes. out of the drums, and I loved the way he played. And I like Eric Singer. I liked yeah. him, you know. And but what I do like, and I don't mind this, like with Tommy and Eric right now, they're playing a part, right? You know, because Tommy even moves like Ace moved. Yes. You know that kind of out of it, spacey yeah, time. Yeah, he does thing. the whole thing where he shoots the. Yeah, yeah, he does all it's, that. It's, yeah, he, he's playing a part. He's 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 an actor, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, it's because okay. and here's why: it's because Paul and Gene were actors. Yeah, I mean it's 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 the same. And people that are listening to this, that they'll there's some people that would shoot me right now for saying that. That, but you know what? Peter and Ace are not in the band anymore right, right. now, and right. those guys have actually been in the band longer than those yeah. two were in the yeah. band. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have a problem with them playing those parts. Right. I, I just don't have it. But but Eric well, Carr, man, oh my yeah. gosh, yeah. Well, you had mentioned, you know, you want you want that original line of the original four. Yeah, I, I feel the same. Man. I feel the same way with Guns N' Roses. You know, like yeah, absolutely. When I when I saw GNR for the first time on right before Use Your Illusion came mm-hmm. out, those records, um, they had already kicked Steve Nadler out of the band, mm-hmm. and so. Right. I had seen the band without Adler. Matt Swarm okay. was playing drums at the time. And so I didn't get a chance to see Adler until right. they came back on their big reunion tour in mm-hmm. Nashville in 2016, I believe it was. Okay. Well into well into the set. Axel's like, all right, guys, we've got a little special treat for you tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Steven Adler. I bet you and flipped Adler out. Adler comes dude. walking out. I'm freaking out because I'm just like, oh man, like I finally get to see the fifth member of GNR that I never got yep. to see, you know, and he played was two Izzy songs. There? Izzy was not there, but I saw Izzy the first time okay. I saw him. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So, but it was just such a cool moment. Yes. And I just recently read um, Adler's book that he wrote. Yeah, I'm still in love with it. Yeah. And it's really, it's really interesting because in the book, he talks about how when they were getting ready to make Appetite for Destruction, the label was wanted to hire Paul Stanley from Kiss to produce the record. Yes, yes, that's a great story, <laughs> man. That's a great and it's story. It's so funny because Adler is like, you know, he tells a us huge was, Kiss fan. You guys need to read it. He's a ginormous Kiss fan. He was like, oh my gosh, like I wore out, I wore the grooves out of the Kiss Alive record. You know, yeah. that's what Adler yeah. says says in his book, and he talks about how he was so excited for Paul Stanley to show up to their little, you know, their, this little meeting they were going to have about the record. Right. And then he's like everybody in the band, as soon as Paul walked in, he acted like he was the man. Right. And immediately everybody was turned off. It's like the vibe just dropped. I mean, Paul walks in and literally killed the room gone. Mm -hmm. And Adler Adler says that that meeting lasted no more than 10 minutes. And that 30 (laughs) seconds in everybody in the band was like, screw this. Even Adler was like, this guy's my hero. And he said that he was at least nice to Paul going, Hey man, right. I'm, like, I'm such a huge fan. I love your record. I love your band, blah, 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 whatever. And it obviously did not work out. And Mike Klink ended up being the producer of yeah, that record, which worked, which, which was, worked. Oh my gosh. Totally. Insane. You know, and they also said in the book that, that at one point, 
Paul was kind of sitting by himself with his phone because nobody would talk to him. Or something. Dude, and I'm like, dude, they were talking on. about how like people would like, you know, Slash would just like literally as Paul's talking, Slash would just like stand up and walk into the kitchen and grab some yes. food. And Dumb oh would just God, go to man. the back room and probably like, you know, snort coke or something. I don't know what they were probably, doing back then. Man. But those guys like literally just got up and just left. Yeah. The prime example of a band that knew what they wanted. Do what they exactly. wanted to And think about that, man. This these guys haven't made they hadn't made a record yet. No. Like, this was pre appetite. They were trying to hire a producer to make appetite. But look at it like this too. This is what's interesting about that. You know, even in the midst of Paul Stanley, who was Adler's hero, and I guarantee you most of those guys, maybe with outside of Duff, they all yeah. had probably were KISS fans at one point. Oh, I guarantee yes. it. You know, yes, of course. what was interesting is they didn't go with Paul Stanley because they just didn't feel like he was the right guy. But go back however many years, back to the early 70s, Paul and Gene did the same thing. Yeah. I mean, they knew exactly what they wanted with KISS. Yeah. They didn't yeah. want Wicked Lester's and their Doobie Brothers sounding thing that they were doing yeah. with Epic. And they turned down a full record deal with Epic to yeah. walk away from that because it was not what they wanted. So if anybody understood them not wanting it, it had to be Paul. And I feel like he did. Um, you know, obviously he wanted to produce the record, but I, sure. quite frankly, I don't think I don't GNR think work or Appetite would have been the classic record that it is today it had Paul produced it. I don't because I, I totally agree with because that. Because Paul wanted to make the record that he wanted to make. And he even told them, according to Adler, listen, I'm the rock star. You do what right. I say, and right. I'm gonna, you're gonna be a rock star if you just listen right. to me. That's you know? right. And they and, said no, sorry. And and they did. They just they said, No, you're not you're not for us. They've just passed passed on it, man. And like I don't good know for them. All that's good for them. Really, really great history. But all that to say, it didn't hurt Paul's legacy. Because we're getting ready to talk about, we're getting ready to talk about not the entire catalog because we felt like that was a bit, a bit much. Oh my gosh, we're going to talk about their, in your opinion, in my opinion, is the best opinion. By the way, just to let you know, have all. Oh, and one of the things you mentioned a minute ago, Steve, was the Kiss and Sell book. Oh Um, yeah, there's a couple other books that people really should read if they want to just really get the history, like deep history of the band. Um, One of them is called Behind the Mask. Mm-hmm. Um, written by Ken Sharp, and the second one is called Nothing to Lose, written by Ken Sharp along with Gene and Paul. Mm. Um, I have both of those. Nothing cool. to Lose takes some takes you through like seventy three to like seventy five, seventy six, somewhere around that area. Mm-hmm. Behind the mask goes from the beginning all the way through to the end of wherever wow. it is, maybe even to the both of them are are amazing books. They interview a lot of people like different artists, different producers, I mean different um session guys and yeah. people that worked with the band, a lot of behind the scenes people. It's interesting because Tommy Thayer has been with Kiss long as is probably about as long as Gene Paul had been there <laughs> as a videographer. That's what he oh, done. He's wow. the one. He's the one that put together all of the Kisteries. Wow. And um, the books that they put out the um the Kistery book that use a tabletop book. I don't have it. I right. wished I did. Um, but Tommy Thayer was responsible for all those books. So and, he that's what he did Thayer, right before and, he did. And that. Tommy Thayer was in Black and Blue. Black right? and Blue. That's right. Rock band. Yeah, so good. And they were great. He's a great Love guitar band. He's great an awesome guitar, guitar player. So yeah, I thought we would we would take now one that you have to remember that Kiss has had um according to what I what I found was that they have had over 40 studio albums. I thought they had a lot less than that. Now they're including other live type records, other right. um, solo records, and that kind of thing. So, also they've sold in excess of a hundred million records in their career. So crazy, you know they they've done well for themselves. You know, <laughs> Jeez, yeah. No, look, man, no. I just want a, I just want you know a dollar a record. That's all I want. No doubt, no I'd be happy with a dollar. I would too. You know, could you live I, on a hundred million dollars? Could I? Yeah, I could. I, know, I could probably buy me a record store. I'd buy Spinner's record store if there's one. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think we've sold, as a band that we played, and I think we sold 40 records. So we. <laughs> no, we, come on, man. We did. We no, did, we, we did a little better than that. We did a little better. We sold tens of thousands of records. We did. 
Tens of thousands. That's right, man. Tens of thousands. (laughs) Okay, so what I did, what we decided to do, instead of taking Kiss's complete catalog and counting it down, it'd be like taking Elvis's catalog or taking Frank Sinatra or whatever. We're going. We're going. I'm doing my top ten. I mean, I have sat around and re-listened to records during the day when I didn't have clients in my office, and I would write things down. I go, no, I don't like that. I'm crossing that. Then I'd come back. It's been crazy. So this is the definitive final. This is it. All right, come on. We're 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 putting this in stone, man. Number ten came out October 1982. It is also my third favorite cover of all the Kiss records, and it is Creatures of the Night, which I love, love the cover, but it is my third favorite cover. This record, to me, sounds like early Kiss, and that's what I love about it. It's one of their later makeup records, right? A couple highlights just on this record, uh, the title track, of course. I think you love the song, I Love It Loud. Love that song. Yeah, that's on here. Um, t- Paul's ballad, I Still Love You, is on here. His voice is just amazing on here. But a song that I just love, man, is War Machine. So good. That song just, and they played it on this last tour, you know, and uh, that's the that's first a time. G- I, it's a Gene song. It's a Gene song, and I'd so never good. heard it live in my life until this tour. So that's my number 10 coming in, Creatures of the Night. That's a good one. Number nine. Some people hate this record. They think it's all to be thrown in the ocean. They can't stand it. And I'm not talking about the elder. I was going to say elder, man. So bad. No, no, no. Um, It's Dynasty. Uh, Okay, yeah, man. May of 1979. Now, understand about 79. That's about the time. That's when disco was really like, I mean, you're talking Saturday Night Fever, you know, the Bee Gees. Um, that's also awesome. when Rod Stewart, Rod Stewart did Do You Think I'm Sexy, you know. Yeah. And so a lot of that kind of stuff was happening. So Kiss decided, you know, that's one thing you could say about Kiss, where a lot of bands would just be done. No, they come out and do um, right. I Was Made for Loving You. And they did it and made it sort of a disco-ish yeah, you know, things so that it worked for them. It was um, one of their it was one of their few radio songs that actually. Yes, it was, well. and it's you know one of the things that t- on that record, Paul's voice, he gets this really high um, part in the middle. Yeah, he can't do it now. Right, but back then he nails this really yeah. high, and I love that part. But two thousand man, Ace sings it. It's a Mick Jagger, um, Keith Richards tune. It's a Stone song. Uh, another uh, Sure Know Something, which I really like, and another one, Magic Touch, were on this record. So good record, man. I think it covers also really good. Awesome um, cover. Awesome cover. I'd have to give it my fourth cover, my fourth favorite. Um, okay. Because it's number three. But yeah, uh, so to Dynasty comes in there. Number eight is my only non-makeup record, uh, Crazy Nights. Yeah. Um, Crazy Nights. September 1987 is when that record came out. This was um, just a slew. This was man. They put out a lot of good music in those non-makeup years, man. Yeah, they they did. put out some killer, killer songs. Um, the the title song is my favorite Kiss song, "Crazy yeah. Crazy Nights." That's my favorite Kiss song. Um, that's on here. But the other ones you heard on the radio, "My Way," "Reason to Live," so and, good, and "Turn on the Night." Yeah, "Turn on the Night" sounds like a movie soundtrack song to me. Yeah, um, but I love that record. That record's really good, man. It's got a lot of a lot of good songs on it. So, Crazy Nights comes in number eight. Number seven's a little different. I pulled out another different one than than that would be called a studio album, but it's MTV Unplugged All when right. they uh, did that in March of '96. Um, this one featured Ace and Peter. They came back and did some songs. The one thing that's great about this record, the packaging on the vinyl is just is just you know tops but it has such a great mix of songs but what i loved about it was it had like old songs like it had uh well it had 2000 man on it as well but it also had going blind and coming home which mm-hmm. are t- two of just the best kiss songs from way back in the early days but it also had from the Elder, A World Without Heroes. And I love, love that song, man. That's a Gene song. It's on The Elder, and I love that song. And that song is a big memory song for me. The album's not, but the song is. 
And it, they did it that night. And they also did one called See You Tonight, which is an old, old Kiss song as well on the, on the second or third record. I can't remember. I got it written down here. But so anyway, number seven, MTV Unplugged. That was the first time they'd been together in so long. That is what sparked putting the makeup back on was wow. that MTV Unplugged. So once they did that and they realized the fans were like, you got to do it. You got that's what ha- that's how that happened. So and then and then Gene goes, wait a minute, I can make a couple million dollars. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> man. Exactly. Oh man. You know when they first started, when that first show of that tour that that was at Tiger Stadium, man, that place was sold out, and it was just you know, golly, Damon, you've been away, you've been away for that long, and what yeah. was, what did you say on Crazy Nights and or Hot in the Shade tours? Oh, like maybe what, dude, several hot thousand. In the shade, Hot in the Shade. It was at the Charlotte Coliseum, which originally probably held, I don't know, somewhere between sixteen and nineteen thousand, I would guess. Right, right. And right. the stage was pushed all the way up to one end. There was literally about four rows of chairs on the yeah. floor, and then you yeah. hit the lower level. And so there was hardly anybody in that room. There might have been 7,000 at best in that. That's crazy. And then the next time I saw them was, I don't know, less than 10 years later on the reunion tour. Right. And it was jam-packed. There's something about them putting on that makeup. That's what does it. It changes the way they perform. It does. It's it's a different experience. It is a totally different experience. And you know what? I'm going to say that this is maybe Gene just needs to keep makeup on. And I'm not saying that about his appearance. Sure. What I'm saying about that is Gene is almost like he 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 is not afraid to do what he does with that makeup and costume. On. Right. When I was watching some videos of him, like without the makeup, he didn't know what to do, man. He just he was just like awkward. Yeah. But with the makeup on him, he becomes that character. Totally. You know, it just gives and, you a different. It gives you a different level of confidence. You know, it, when right because you know people aren't looking at you. Right, you feel like you can get away with the character that you're. That's part. right. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it just you just you yeah you absolutely. It's a different show. It's a completely different show. Man, Far I'm more so, entertaining when they put the makeup on. Yes. Yeah. If we ever go back out on the road again, let's <laughs> let's. <laughs> that ain't happening, man. Bro, I I don't even want to. Think about what it would look like for us to go on the road again. <laughs> it would look like a disaster is what it would look like. We'd have to go, oh buy, a new, we'd have to go buy a new van, a new oh trailer, new CD player. God knows we, could, we, couldn't <laughs> afford a, we couldn't afford a bus, man, going out right now. There's no way. Uh, all right. No, okay, number six. All right, number six. Number six. This is one that I didn't have before, and I changed it after listening and stuff. Mm. Came out in October '74, but number six is hotter than hell. Oh, okay. And, Come on. Uh, okay, so, but here is what is crazy about hotter than hell. It was released eight months after their debut. Wow. So they put out their debut eight months later. They put out another one. Which man. was hotter than hell. That's unheard of, man. That's totally man. unheard of. Produced by uh, Kenny Kerner and Richie Wise. They also did the first record as well. Mm. Um, this Now, check out the songs on Hotter Than Hell now. Okay. You got Parasite, which I love. Great that song. song. Hotter Than Hell. Going Blind and Coming Home, which I mentioned in Unplugged yep. a minute ago. Okay. Uh, Mainline, which is a Peter Chris sings. It's so killer. Uh, watching you is on that, which is on live and strange ways. And that's wow. a, I love strange ways. That's the song that my band played. So we knew that song <laughs> That was our song, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, hotter than hell. Um, the, a lot of people really fuss about the production of this record being real kind of bland. And I don't know. I, I thought it was fine, but song wise, it was great. Uh, anyway, that was their second record. So it was, but, but not my number six, wow. number five for me in October of 77 was alive too. man. Five two man. What a record What a cover, but what's the greatest about that cover is the inside. When you got that, that's the tour that I saw the very first time when you got them on both the platforms and Peter's, uh, drum writer is up and has the cat on the front. Oh Yeah. That's right, man. Um, Love Guns on it. 
um, well, yeah, Love Gun, but it's a mixture of Destroyer, Love Gun, and Rock and Roll Over. Uh, but here's what's cool about this record is the fourth side. It's the non-live record part. Mm. It's studio. Um, and we had mentioned, you know, we lost, uh, the music world lost Bob Kulik, yeah. brother of Bruce, a, a month or so ago. Yeah. Um, he did a lot of guitar on this side of the record. Um, but one of the greatest songs that Kiss ever did was All American Man which was Kiss, and Rocket Ride, which is an ace song, which I love that song. Um, that's on that fourth side. But this was recorded primarily at the Forum in L.A. over three nights in August of that uh, of uh, 77. And it was, but I learned this. It was also recorded during sound checks at the same <laughs> same time frame. So wow. they would do a lot of and then they would go in and overdose. Wow. That's cool. Crazy. Sorry, everybody, but live records are not, completely live records they are barely live these barely days barely live sure. and when i found out frampton comes alive was not exactly live i just <laughs> thought that was terrible man but but alive too was a great record man yeah. it kind of captured that time frame of kiss you know um but it, it was great so anyway number five is alive too number four in june of 77 was love gun what a great record i stole your loves on it shock me's on it love guns on it man just a great record that's the cover with has all the the the, the ladies in the bottom you know yeah, whatever. of course right. they do um it's got uh, Christine 16, Plaster Caster. I mean, you know, those are, of course, Gene songs, oh, yeah. you know, of course. So anyway, number four is Love Gun for me. Coming in, number three came out in March of 76 with the Almighty Destroyer. Eddie Kramer produced this. He also produced uh, Alive, you know, the, the first Alive. Right. And once Alive came out, it it saved their careers because they were heading down a hill fast because the records, the shows were doing great, but the records weren't selling uh, for whatever reason. And we have talked about this, you and me. I think those records are great myself. Those yeah. first early records, you know, right. but, but Alive's what catapulted them. And I mean, Destroyer then came next and absolutely man detroit rock city's on it king of nighttime world god of thunder do you love me beth is on that which was their biggest hit it went to number two and a flaming youth which i love never heard them do it live but what a record i mean you it's, said it's, you had a, that shirt it's, it's like a hits record man it is you had yeah. that shirt with the cover yeah yeah i've got the i've got the destroyer uh, album cover t-shirt and it's uh I love it, man. I, I wore it out. Um, <laughs> I wore it out like a few weeks ago. I was on a, just a walk around the neighborhood. Right. And this, this dude, you know, walks past me. You know, he's facing me and he's walking in the, you know, the other direction. So he walks by me and goes, ah, I went to that tour, man. Awesome band. Love that shirt. And I was like, oh, heck, heck yeah, man. Come on. <laughs> Good, man. Camaraderie, bro. Awesome. That's it. Hey, Kiss Army. Cool. Let's do it. That's right. All right. <laughs> All right. Number two. 74 debut record, man. Man. Kiss. The vast record cover. Oh, my gosh. My second favorite cover. But I love that cover. It's incredible. It is. It is my second favorite cover. But it was also produced by uh, Kenny Kern or Richie Wise, who did Hotter Than Hell. When they got to Dress to Kill, the third record, um, Neil Bogart, who was yeah. the head of Casablanca, took right. that over and kind of did the production on that. But they recorded this record in six days. Six days. I never knew that that they did it was that quick. It initially only sold seventy five thousand records. Wow. Just initially sold seventy five thousand. But here's what here's what has been said. Um, it's been held to be as an iconic a debut as the first Van Halen record. Wow. Boston's first record. Black Sabbath's first record and Guns N' Roses' debut. Wow, it's, it's, that, it's that iconic of a record, and I believe that. Yeah, I mean, I I think you know, for me personally, it's it's really really hard to compare anything to Appetite or you know that first yep. Boston record or whatever. Sure. But I think when you when you really sit back and look at it, and you look at that first Kiss record, and you first of all you take the iconic brand that they used for that album cover. Which literally is just like it's an it's an historic it is cover. No just doubt. looking at it, it's no like doubt. it's something that's a timeless it's time it's as timeless as A C D C Highway to Hell, that it cover. Is. No it's doubt. It's just an, it's just insanely cool. 
And then really when you go down the track list, it's a hits record. And it's their first album. Strutter, Firehouse, Cold Gin, Deuce, Black Diamond, 100,000 Years. Mm. Those were the songs you know. The rest of them are, you know, little fillers here and there. but Yeah, but they're great songs. But they're also a great songs. Kissing Time's on there. I don't love that. Yeah, but it's not, I don't love the song, but it's not terrible. Right. And But yeah, but those songs right there, every one of those songs I just mentioned are all on live. But yeah, the cover is just, I, it's one of those, co- and their makeup, that's in its infancy, yeah. right? That's when they first started. So Paul and Jeans has been tweaked quite a bit. Peter, in this one, he just has black. Like now he's got the green right. or had yeah. the, 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 right. the, the cap makeup was green. Ace is a little different. Ace in this cover has silvery hair, you know, and, yep. and eventually the, the word was, like, was Ace had that silver in his hair. Well, as it got down the road, uh, Sean Delaney, who was one of the road manager guys, who's really, really. And when you read those books, I was talking about Sean Delaney is is instrumental in Kiss becoming what Kiss did. Yeah. Um, he's the one who told the guys, every one of you dye your hair blue, black. That was the wow. color. So that's yeah. why they all ended up with that dark, black, bluish kind of look right. when they when they came out with Destroyer. That's where that came from, was Sean Delaney. Wow. But anyway, so that that's my number two record. But that that album cover, man, is I have it in a frame too, man. Just oh. up, you know. It, you're right. Yeah. It's yeah. But to hear it being as iconic as Boston and Grateful Dead and Guns N' Roses and Van Halen one, that's that's good company right yeah, there, man. Great, really good company. So anyway, my number one, which is also my favorite cover, September '75 is Kiss Alive. I mean, that's that's <laughs> my favorite record all time of them. Yeah. Um, Eddie Kramer produced it. This was the first time it actually captured the live show on tape, you know, with Paul's banter and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it sold to date more than 9 million to date at this point. My favorite tracks on that record are strutter hundred thousand years and Cole's gin, which just came from the first record. Right. (laughs) So, you know, but that's one of the covers that I could stare out forever. I have five copies of this record (laughs) You know, I don't know why every time I go so in and crazy. see it, I have to get it. I have three, I had three copies of Destroyer, but I gave you one. That's right. Thank um, you for that. Yeah. And, and of all these alive, I don't have any of the 180 grand. They're all original. Wow. You know? Yeah. So I, I have, have, I have the 180 grand reissue of Alive One. It sounds fantastic. Yeah, it's, man. It's just, a, I mean, the, you're right. The packaging is just beautiful on that thing. It is. It's just so it, great. So and, great. And each each of that each one of my uh, copies still has the booklet on the inside. Oh, I love that booklet, man. That booklet I could stare out forever. But so that's my number one. So going down it real quick without any explanation. Creatures of the Night, Dynasty, Crazy Nights, MTV Unplugged, Hotter Than Hell, Alive Two, Love Gun, Destroyer, the debut Kiss record, and then number one, Kiss Alive. That is the definitive, never changing. <laughs> Top 10 Kiss records of my life right there. That's it. There you have it, people. From the man himself, the biggest Kiss fan I know. That's the top 10. Thank you, man. Hey, listen, guys. You can catch us on Facebook and Instagram. We're hanging out. Direct messages. Let us know how you're feeling. Let us know. Subscribe. Subscribe. We will be we will we will answer your questions all day, every day. No problem. We are at the sort of cool show. And come hang out. Jimmy's fun, man. It's a good show, buddy. See you next time.